Hello, this is Janet Gallen inviting you to another episode of Love Letters Live. And my guest today is someone I think you all know, and also he has been a guest before. I want to introduce Reverend Dr. Steve Peters. And let me just give it to you to say hello first. Hi, how are you, Janet? How, I'm good. How is everybody? You know, good. thank God is all you can say. And Right? Thank God. Yeah, right. Good. Yes. Right. So, I, you know, I know that your title is Reverend Dr. Steve Peters. What do your congregants call you? Oh, either Reverend Steve or just Steve. Yes. I mean, that makes sense. You were so accessible. I, yeah. I remember thinking after we first met that if I were in the market for a spiritual leader, I mean, I happen to have one, but it would be you. Uh-huh. You're so accessible that it's not surprising that they call you Reverend Steve or Steve. That didn't used to be the case historically, did it? No, it's true. Uh, I mean, you, people used to go by the very formal titles, and, and yes. uh, but I like to be accessible. I think it. Well, the formal you know, title creates a distance, right? Right, it does, and I'd rather be familiar. Yeah, and you kind of have to be the way you work and wh- how you are with people. Yeah, exactly. What is I mean, your? I... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say. In your work with your congregants, what is your main goal? What I never asked you that. Like, what is it you want to accomplish first off? And besides what I'm guessing would be kind of a conduit between you and. I, uh, my main goal is to make them feel, make uh, uh, everybody I talk to feel loved. Uh, give them the experience of feeling loved. And, um, and that, to me is what God gives me and God gives everybody uh, when we're open to it. And uh, so uh, we are the conduits for God's love. That's so I, I, oh, so, oh, for God's love. Okay. Yeah. I knew you were a conduit, but also, you know, you do have a way of making people feel loved and very important. I mean, you make me feel that way. We hardly, we don't know each other well. I'm not part of your church. And yet when I see you, I feel just great. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, the reason I wanted you to come back right now is, um, beside the fact that I wish you lived next door and I could see you often, but (laughs) I heard that that you were working on a book. I am. I I have signed a deal with uh, Roman and Littlefield Publishers. And uh, they are planning to bring out my book in the spring of 2024. Well, and I'm I'm working on the getting the manuscript together as, as the final version that will go to the printer. My question uh, is, what is what is this book focusing on? I mean, there there's so many aspects of your life that I know about that mark your life as really singular <laughs> yeah. and successful in what you do. I mean, your own your own living with yeah, well, you you talk about what what will your book cover? Will it be largely Tammy Faye? Will it be your own medical journey? All of which maybe well, kind of repeat for it, us. It's all it's all mixed together. Uh, I mean, I start off the book with a kind of annotated version of the Tammy Baker interview, where I quote the interview and then talk about what I was thinking and what I was feeling. Well, can, she... for those for those people who may not have seen your last love letters live or may not know about your relationship with Tammy Faye Baker, would you tell us about it? 
Well, sure. Uh, I am that gay pastor with AIDS that Tammy Faye Baker interviewed back in 1985 about being a gay man with AIDS. And, okay, no, so uh, what was that like? I mean, you, Christian religious people, I shouldn't assume anything and I shouldn't, I should probably tape my mouth shut, but you don't picture that as being somehow open and welcoming to gay men who have AIDS. Oh, absolutely. They weren't. I mean, the the, the uh, right wing evangelical wing of the church televangelists certainly were very condemning of gay men and gay men with AIDS, particularly. And AIDS was seen as God's punishment. I remember uh, that. I remember that. Against gay men. And, um, and so when Tammy Faye Baker had me on and gave me such a positive, supportive... What, what made her go for you? What made her ask in the first place? Do you know? She wanted to be the first televangelist to interview a person with AIDS, mm -hmm. a gay man with AIDS. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so they looked all through the East and South and couldn't find anybody willing to go on the show. And oh, some, yeah. they found somebody who suggested me and out in L.A. and... and uh, they called me up, and after a few negotiating points, I said, sure. Now, why do you think others said no? You would think that that would be a real um, opportunity to express, well, to teach something. Yeah, but but Tammy Faye Baker had a reputation for being a little eccentric and weird, you know, with her all of her makeup and her wigs and, and all of that and her her singing and, and everything. And, and my mother loved, her I mean, singing. I think, I think you get a lot of gay men with AIDS that they probably contacted felt like, I don't want to try to argue how to be. Oh, oh, say, I wondered if that was this. So they, they, yeah. there was a legitimate fear they felt of being trapped into something that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I checked that out carefully before I agreed to do it. I, I, I insisted that it go out live for one thing. So they couldn't cut it. To oh, good. Yes, of course. I remember that now. Various purpose, and 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 I told them, look, I'm not going to take any guff about being a gay man or having AIDS. I, I you know, and and the producer I talked to said, oh, absolutely. She wants this to be a very affirming, supportive interview. So uh, good so for her. I mean, how did she come to that yeah. in life? I wonder. Well, I think that I think uh, uh, you know she came to that in life because she was uh, considered to be an outcast as a child. Her mother, uh, that who uh, she came from a family of fundamentalist Christians, mm -hmm. and uh, and her mother divorced her father uh, because he was abusive and moved and went and got married again. And so Tammy was actually considered to be a bastard um, because her mother was not married to her father, even though they were divorced. Right. Um, and I mean, right. Uh, so Tammy knew what it was like to feel outcast. Okay, that's what I was. Yes, yeah, so I can see where that is. Okay. So she was able to identify with that aspect of gay and AIDS. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you developed a really nice relationship with her, didn't you? Yeah, well, I I never actually saw her in person. I never met her in person, but uh, uh, we exchanged greetings occasionally through mutual friends. And and well, uh, how did she do the interview then? Oh, she did the interview via satellite. She uh -huh. was going to have me come to Heritage Village in North Carolina, South Carolina, 
mm-hmm. and um, and do the interview live with her in the in the studio. But uh, uh, she canceled at the last minute, and uh, um, and what was that? She canceled because she's uh, her producer called me and said Tammy's sick, so we're oh. canceling the interview. And then she called back the next day and said. Well, Tammy is feeling better and wants to do the interview after all. So uh, we're going to do it via satellite. Okay. Uh, it would be the first ever satellite interview on PTL. It was still a new technology at the time. You've got a lot of firsts here in your life. Another yeah, one. yeah, <laughs> I know. Yes. So uh, it was it was um, quite an experience. I, I, had, I didn't have a monitor, so I couldn't see her. But I could hear her in my my earpiece that kept falling mm-hmm. off. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, she um, she helped me with that, and and it all went very well. It was about a twenty four minute interview, and and uh, the first half she spent asking me how I knew I had to be gay, and I mean, didn't I ever have sex with a woman, or didn't I give women a fair try? And now, is, are and, those fair questions for somebody who's totally unfamiliar with any part of? Any gay no, word? I think they were the right questions for her audience. Um, huh. And uh, and I think that, uh, you know, I mean, I'd been asked similar kinds of questions uh, in my many interviews before that about being a gay gay man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd been accustomed to being in front of the camera for uh, quite a few years at that point. So and that really did give you a good opportunity to teach something, those questions, didn't they? Exactly. And so it was an opportunity to reach an audience I never thought I'd reach. And <laughs> right. uh, then she got the last half of the interview was about having AIDS and my fear of death or not and and all of that. And and uh, and that's when she got very emotional and started talking about how, you know, we've got to love people with AIDS and embrace them. And, and could, you, uh, could you talk about your own experience with AIDS? Because you were one of the first to... Yes, I was one of the like doing that. I mean, that was this is something I I got sick with uh, what we now know as as full blown AIDS or advanced HIV infection uh, back in 1982, when it was not even a year old since the since the first reports. And um, I was diagnosed then with what is called what was then called GRID, gay related deficiency. It's before they they named it AIDS. And um, over the next four or five years, I was very, very sick with everything. I had stage four lymphoma and Kaposi sarcoma and uh, hepatitis, CMV, pneumonia, mononucleosis. I, I just caught everything. Mm-hmm. Really bad skin infections. Uh, the skin I mean, you must, you must have been so weakened and just tiptoed past death again and again. Oh, yeah. I I was very close to death a number of times. And I was fortunate to be patient number one on the very first antiviral they tried against AIDS, a drug called uh, Suramin. Mm-hmm. And um, I, within six weeks, my lymphoma, stage four lymphoma had gone into complete remission. And now my, that was, a, you were unusual in this because people were dying of this. Correct. Right. Everybody was dying. And it was thought that everybody would die. And, uh, uh, from this, and I went into complete remission. My KS lesions disappeared, and and uh, uh, the what do, you, serum, what do, you, do you attribute that to anything in particular? 
Well, I think I think I got very lucky. Uh, and I, you know, bottom line, I don't really know, Janet, why I got well. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, as a man of faith, I certainly like to think God had something to do with it. But on the other hand, why yeah, help having that come into the picture, that there were better plans for me than dying. Yeah. But then why didn't God have mercy on so many others who didn't exactly. make it, who had more to live offer than I did? Uh, and uh, so uh, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't think that's the whole. I worked very hard at getting well, at staying well, at oh, creating can you, the conditions. Can you talk about, talk about what you did. Sure. Well, I, for one thing, I did uh, meditation and visualization every single day, two and three times a day. By with yourself guided, or with guidance? Guidance, guided meditation tape. I, I used uh, Dr. Emmett Miller's Healing Journey and uh, uh, Louise Hay's uh, AIDS meditation visualization and, uh, and listened to them every single day, twice or three times a day. I did laughter therapy where I made a point of uh, laughing every single day, at least twice a day. Uh, okay, now, so I, I love did, Lucy. Or... I, I want to ask about that laughing because <laughs> laughing to be effective has to be a real laugh, doesn't it? I mean, it oh, can't. Yeah. Be... So, what what would you do to evoke laughter? I would watch I Love Lucy or Cheers <laughs> okay. uh, or, okay. or, you know. <laughs> any of my favorite uh, sitcoms uh, okay so in yeah. other words the, it's out there if you know where to be i love lucy yeah. okay yes yeah. yeah absolutely and the lucy show and here's uh -huh. lucy and, and i mean I, I i i could laugh at lucy anytime well sure uh, i just didn't think of going to the television as a curative well i got that idea from norman cousins and uh -huh. who had uh, had recovered from a life-threatening illness using uh, Marx Brothers movies. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. Marx Brothers and Three Stooges and things like you that. You know, I have, I have a friend named Alan Klein. You should meet each other. Oh, and I know Alan. I know and Alan Klein. In San Francisco? No, no. Uh, well, this was, there are probably a lot of Alan Kleins. This was yeah, in probably. San Francisco. <laughs> and he's done a variety of things in the entertainment world. And he became what he calls a jollytologist. Ah. His profession is teaching people how to laugh during ah. crisis. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Crisis, physical crisis. He has people who are very, very sick, people who have lost all their money, people who have, it doesn't matter the crisis. Uh huh. He teaches people how to laugh despite oh. the, mm -hmm. what a gift that is to people. Yeah, apparently I, so yes yeah yeah I, laughter is the best medicine as that's they what say. they say yeah yeah so I, i'm okay. and when you're laughing you're releasing endorphins and you i feel was gonna say there's gotta be yes yes and and there, there so there's a physical benefit to it but but psychologically when you're laughing out loud uh you can't be depressed it uh -huh. just doesn't work and depression uh, so, has a bad effect on your physical. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Particularly your immune system, I think. I'm sure. Yeah. So also when you're laughing, your oxygen, is, I mean, things change. Yes. Uh, I have a question about your book. Can't wait to sure. see that. You've, you've been in the public a lot, and I know bits and pieces, and this one. Uh, so your book will kind of be a summation of so yeah. much of your life. 
right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, it's called I'm, I Keep on Dancing, My Journey Through AIDS. And uh, it's not uh, a full-on autobiography where I talk about everything from birth to death and or well, not yet, but right. my, my birth <laughs> yeah. to my current life. The autobiography um, part, yeah, right. And uh, and the uh, you know, I I I talk about briefly my where I grew up and how I grew up, but I quickly get into my ministry and how that prepared me for when I was. Diagnosed. How did you get drawn into a ministry? Oh, good question. Um, I I had been involved in a in a recovery program uh when i was 23 for um, from for alcoholism mm -hmm. and uh i realized that in order to uh stay sober i was going to have to uh get honest about being gay because i was very closeted i was very oh ashamed. did that have to do with your drinking then oh absolutely did yeah, yeah. Could, i didn't realize yeah but uh, oh it was very much connected and I go into that somewhat in the book, but uh, uh, I, um, when I I started uh, going to MCC, the Metropolitan Community Church, uh, which is a a uh, denomination of churches that are uh, gay and lesbian friendly and trans friendly, mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, LGBTQ friendly, as we kind of say nowadays. Uh, and uh, so I started going to this MCC uh, in Chicago, where I lived at the time. And and uh, about a year after I started going there, I felt the call to the ministry. I was going to be a musical theater actor. Oh, I was wondering uh, about. OK, because I, yeah. I wondered what your goal was before that. Yeah. Oh, I, I had every intention of becoming famous as a musical theater star. Well, there, you know, there there is certainly from what I can see for successful people and ministry you know, and education, there's so much theater in it. You know, they say, what, really? education is 90% entertainment. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So definitely, uh, I mean, some people consider preaching to be a performance art. Oh, that's and, what I'm saying. Yes. And I, I certainly, I, I can definitely see how my theater training benefited me. At its best. It should be, preacher. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you said Go ahead. Oh, I say you sing. Do you sing? You say you want. Oh, yeah. Oh, I sing. Absolutely. I love to sing and always have. And uh, uh, I had a great voice uh, when I was young and, and uh, uh, I, uh, you know, did a lot of uh, big bass baritone roles. Oh, and, you know, now that you're saying it, I can see your speaking voice is exactly that beautiful bass baritone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh I, I joined the chorus, the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles ah. uh, in 1994 and sang with them for many, 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 many years until the pandemic. Uh, sure. and, and then since then, I have not gone back yet, but I'm still a member. So, nice. Yeah. So, so the book is in final transcript. It is. Uh, it's not quite in the final shape i'm still working on getting it you know formatted correctly and making sure all the grammar's right and the sure. spelling's right and all of that now, what is it what is it you want from this book what do you want the public to get oh i i want to get that i want the public to get that miracles are possible oh, uh, and yes. that uh healing is possible 
um, and uh, even you know against the odds. Uh, mm-hmm. And I want people to uh, learn a lot about uh, the the affirmation of being gay. I, w- I want people to realize that being gay and Christian is a possibility. Um, and uh, more than a possibility, gay and Jewish, or or gay and Muslim, or whatever. Uh, that that gay is not incompatible with religion or spirituality. Good. I mean, that seems so obvious, but good for you that you're saying it. So one of the things that I'm hearing, and I have another friend who actually did something in this, that what seems like a death sentence, assume nothing. Right, exactly. And and there was a time maybe even when you first got AIDS, Daddy, it was seen as a death sentence. Oh, absolutely. That people lived I mean, recklessly, sexually, and financially, and yes. I was told I wouldn't live to see 1985, that it was impossible for me to survive. Tell you such a thing. Who told you that? One of the nurses on, on the county, uh, L.A. County Hospital Ward. What did uh, you think of that? Chart. Well, it scared me, but I, I thought, no. <laughs> I just kind of said no to it. But and, did, you, did, did it occur to you that a medical professional does not have the right to tell you how long you would live? Oh, absolutely. My doctor uh, uh-huh. used to tell me how long I had to live. Oh, no, no, no. She, she didn't know. Because she she knew that, 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 you know, if you tell somebody you have three months left, then many people will go, oh, okay, three and months later. And lay down and die. give up. Yeah, exactly. But if you just leave it open ended and say we don't know, you know, but your doctor you did say that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, so, so I I I had the possibility of healing presented to me right from the start, even though it looked like everybody died from AIDS back then. Right. Yeah. And so today, I am uh, uh, I am struggling again with uh, health issues. I was diagnosed in September with a stage four cancer of the stomach Mm. that is extended into my esophagus and metastasized to my liver and lymph glands. And, um, and uh, so I'm actively doing chemotherapy and, and uh, radiation treatments. And, and uh, once again, I'm going to say something really ignorant is you look so robust and wonderful even with what you're going through. Well, thank you. I, I feel robust and wonderful. You don't look weakened by the treatment so, or the therapy or? Well, they, they have their effect on me. And I there are days when I don't feel very good, but okay. uh, but mostly good. I feel great. And, and I try to keep moving. I try to walk every day and, and get out in the sunshine and, you know, that sort of thing. And um, and stay in service. I think that it really pays to be of service um, to pe- to other people uh, as a way of getting outside of myself and not right that others need you. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. And uh, I've done I've done all I can to create the conditions for healing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I have every reason to believe that I'm going to survive this one too. Good. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah. I bet you do. Yes. Yeah. Oh, My so, friend oh. Allison Arngrim uh, kids me about. Oh you know, yes. You know I, I, well, she was actually a guest, and I'm still getting comments on her. People, she is adorable. 
Oh, she is wonderful. The really? nasty Millie Olson in, in oh. her childhood. But uh, everybody's favorite brat, yes. Everybody's favorite brat. But uh, anyway, she's a great friend. Has oh, been for glad. And uh, and she has, you know, she visits me from time to time now. And she said, I'm sorry, I just don't believe you're doing chemotherapy. I don't believe you have cancer. You look too good. You don't well, look like somebody you know, who's chemotherapy. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying laugh. the same thing and i know that it sounds kind of doltish for me to say such a thing but why not oh why not i mean you know i'd rather defy the odds and and uh right. look in spite of dot 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 right right well i want to thank you for doing this with me i'm happy to be catching up with you and sad to know that you're going through anything difficult again yeah, well, you know, I, I, none of us have any guarantees about being here tomorrow. That's but the truth. All any of us have is right here and right now, and right. I, here I, and right something had happened to me, I and I forget what I was. Good. Well, I was worried about something, and a friend of mine said, <laughs> I, a very religious woman actually, and she said to me, well, "Why are you worried about that? I mean, you know, an airplane could fall on your head tomorrow." Yeah. I said, "You think I have to be reminded of that?" <laughs> you no, know, I look up. When I'm <laughs> Right. Uh -huh. We don't know what's coming. And so today uh -huh. is the time to do our best, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, today is the moment. Now so in terms of love letters, yeah. it would be easy to think, you know, I'm, I'm so about the power of letters. I can see in your life that you have a list of people who could be getting a gratitude letter from you. Oh, I do indeed. Doctors and just, you know, do you, did you ever or do you ever write letters? Oh, of course I do. Yes, 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 <laughs> definitely. I love to correspond with people and, and friends and family. And, and I'm not surprised. I, on special days like birthdays and anniversaries, I like to write a, a note saying how much the person means to me. And I mean. And, they'll, know, and they don't throw those away. No, I'm I sure they don't. say something about a book because mm -hmm. I am obsessed with paper and and. Any yeah. form of that flyleaf in a book yes. is the most perfect piece of stationery uh, for a love note. Yes, it's true. So, do you think when that book comes out, if you give copies to friends, special friends, oh. you would write a note to them or a letter to them on that oh. blank page? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and the the thing that I the thing that I'm curious about is when I write a love a love note to somebody uh, mm -hmm. on, on the fly piece of, do I write, uh, dear so-and-so, I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for all your help. And, uh, Sounds good to me. Steve or love Steve Peters. I mean, uh, or do I write love Steve and then... Oh, doesn't that depend on your relationship? I mean, if you are their, their you know, spiritual leader and you have a friendship, it could be, you know, love Reverend Steve. Reverend Steve, you know, yeah, sure. but I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm aware that uh, sometimes books are valued by having the actual autograph of the author, right? And so, if I want the book to be valued, do I not have to add my own autograph at the back? At the yes, at and the with bottom? and and in your handwriting, of course. Yeah, yeah. can't stick a book on a typewriter, right? And right. and. <laughs> I, I think if you if you were to write Reverend Steve, and clearly the book is by you, yeah. any historian in the future will know that that's what it is. But it's a good question. Oh, okay, thanks. I, I thanks. once I once heard that a book is more valuable if it. My parents had a lot of books autographed by 
um, the authors. And oh. it turned out, and I don't know if this is still true, or that a book that just has the name of the author is more valuable than one with a whole note. Oh, really? But I say, never mind on that. A whole note is the beautiful thing that you want to give people. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, maybe you want to put on the bottom, you know, parenthesis, Reverend Steve, Pe Reverend Dr. Steve Peters. Maybe you do that. Right. Okay. Even though this, yeah. I, I will, uh, I will, uh, can certainly consider doing that. Yes. Oh, I hope you do lots of them. When it comes time. Yes. When it okay, comes dear. Time. Oh, my love to you. And I just love thank, you. thank you for all you do in the world. And I know this isn't about me and selfish little me, but for how you make me feel. Oh, well, thank you. You're very thank kind. You. Well, <laughs> we'll be in touch. All right. Great. Thanks. Tim. And um, yes, just I wish you well. And yes, Let's just be in touch. Okay. Okay. It's right. a deal. Bye. Bye. I'm going to just, okay, now I can see you to say goodbye. Okay.